Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this podcast is Dr. Douglas Tynan, who's the director for program development and implementation at Nemours Health and Prevention Services, which is located in Delaware. The Nemours Foundation does a great deal of work on health promotion and child health in general. The Nemours Health and Prevention Services, working with partner organizations, develops initiatives to promote social, emotional, and physical health for children in family, primary care, child care, and after school and school settings. So Dr. Tynan, welcome. Glad to have you here. Great to be here. So let's begin by talking about um, you, you, the work you do on health promotion spans a number of things, physical activity and diet included. But I've heard you make the, uh, the point that food should be considered a public health issue, similar to the way we conceptualize other problems. Would you mind telling us about your thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, when we think about other countries and other public health problems, uh, right now in Beijing, there's a terrible air pollution problem. And we know that wealthier families can afford filters for their homes. And, and when the weather is bad, children do not play outdoors. Poor children do succumb to respiratory illnesses. They either get sick or they, they die. And it's perceived by everyone as a public health issue. We don't blame the families. And even though the Chinese government's been reluctant to act, at times everyone wants to do something to help the kids. In Haiti and in other developing countries, waterborne illnesses are a problem, often the leading cause of death. In those situations, again, wealthy families can afford bottled water, filtration systems, poor families. Uh, the children sometimes ingest water of poor quality and get sick. They can die. Uh, it's perceived as a public health problem. We consider it a terrible tragedy. We feel sorry for these families. And we expect agencies and government to do something about it. In the U.S., when we talk about food, we don't think of it quite the same way. Children, particularly in poor neighborhoods, are often exposed to calorie-dense, poor nutrition, low-nutrition foods, and uh, we often take a very different view. We uh, don't see it as a public health issue. We know that wealthier families feed their kids very well and curb the uh, junk foods, but poor families sometimes don't have as easy an option. In this country, we tend to blame families for this, as a, and we don't see it as a public health problem. So in your work, you focus on the concept of health promotion, and I know you have a model that you've used in order to execute this focus on health promotion. Would you please tell us about the model and what it looks like? Well, we, Nemours does run a large clinical operation, and our health promotion um, section operates very differently. The model is a socio-ecological model where we look at the impact of the family, the, uh, the broader community, the schools, the, the city or county on health. We take a very much a population model. Uh, we, we look at places like child cares or schools with an understanding that if we can advance the health of an entire classroom or an entire school, that that's going to help our children in ways that advancing the health of a single patient under the care of a doctor does not. So we're really looking at a population health model and we think about ways in which we can maximize our impact 
uh, both in terms of number of children as well as the amount of change we can bring about. So the concept here, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that you can focus on individuals and blame them for the problem or focus on people one at a time, or you can take this social ecological model that says that there are a variety of factors out there in the world that are affecting people and that some of those factors have to be addressed in order to get change in the individual. Absolutely correct. We have to look at the bigger models and look at what helps everyone's health. So in case of food um, and nutrition, what would you say some of those social factors are that are so important in driving food choices? Well, first and foremost for, for most families, it's food access and whether families have the ability to buy food and get it into their home. The other places are where kids are fed, and that would include schools and child care settings. Enormous number of meals are eaten at schools and child care settings, and we want to look at who provides the meals, what's the quality of those meals, and are, is there room for improvement. Now, you, you're doing a great number of programs at Nemours, and we could spend an awful lot of time just talking about all of them because there are so many. And at least in my mind, you, what's going on in Delaware under the auspices of Nemours is probably more impressive and extensive than what's happening anywhere in the country. And I'd like to focus on one piece of this in particular, child care. But before we do that, could you give us a sense of the kind of range of programs that you're doing out there in the community? Nemours Health and Prevention right now in terms of programmatic work, we, we do programs at all age ranges. We have a, I have three teams, a 0 to 5 team, a, a team that works on kids 6 to 11, and an adolescent team. Our programs range from exercise and activity programs in 78 of the elementary schools in Delaware uh, to working with primary care pediatric providers on how to screen uh, for overweight children and how to counsel families to uh, a new adolescent initiative where we did a, a photo voice project where we've asked adolescents to go out in the community and take pictures and videos of, of things that improve their health and things that could potentially harm their health. And our group of, of great partners, uh, these kids made some wonderful exhibits and we exhibited them at local malls and we have a video of that. And then our child care efforts, our early, my early child care team, uh, I, we are very fortunate to have a very talented group of individuals that have spearheaded this comprehensive effort in child care. Let's talk more about the child care. You've placed a special emphasis on this. Could you explain why? And then we can talk about exactly what it is you're doing. In terms of the development of health, um, health habits are formed very early, and the birth to five age range I think is critical. I think we've had an enormous amount of press and literature of how important birth to five is for brain development, for social development, for, for academic development, and we see it as a critical age for health development. Uh, we know that uh, kids go very rapidly from birth, from uh, nipple feeding, whether it's breast or bottle, to weaning and eating solid foods in the first 18 months, and many of the tastes and textures that are acquired in those first year and a half to three years of life uh, are preferences they will keep lifelong. We also know that the majority of children in this country under the age of five, uh, the estimates are two-thirds or more, spend some time in a uh, significant amount of child care. So uh, the world of children has changed. We have, you know, 40 percent of the kids in this country are born to um, single moms. Lots of kids are in child care, and that's where kids get a lot of meals, sleep, and activity, and TV time and we want to help child care providers do a great job. So what type of programming are you doing in child care centers? 
we've we've had uh, a number of initiatives. The first one started four years ago when uh, Nemours Health and Prevention Services did their own child care learning collaborative, five sessions with uh, about 28 child cares, uh, teaching uh, the daycare, the child care directors and staff about child care regulations around food, activity, TV time, nutrition. Uh, it was both to inform them of what the state regulations and are supposed to be, but also, more importantly, do it in a positive atmosphere to get them to want to do it or help them want to do it, help them achieve the goals. We want to help child care providers be more professional, take great, a lot of them take great pride in the work and they do very important work, and help them do a better job. Then what are some of the nutrition rules that you're communicating to child care centers? How would you like to see things well, exist in those centers? Another good question. Uh, we want to see, uh, for example, that it's skim milk or, or 1% uh, ready availability of water so the kids can access water, no soft drinks, or really uh, either no juices or a very limited amount of high sugar juices, that fried foods are out, that there's an emphasis on whole grains and vegetables, the introduction of, of fruits. As part of the daily lesson plan, teaching kids about fruits and vegetables. Uh, some of our uh, early care and education centers have gone out and started gardens, and, and we do know that if kids help in the growing, harvesting, and preparation of food, that they are much more likely to do it. Having kids eat healthy is a learning process. Uh, early care and education centers are where kids learn, and we're bringing those two things together. Now, you've talked about the 5-2-1, almost none way of remembering these sort of health habits. Would you explain that, please? Yes. One of the earliest uh, campaigns that Nemours Health and Prevention developed under the direction of Dr. Carol Rattay, who is now the public health director for the state of Delaware, was the 5-2-1, almost none campaign, meaning five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, no more than two hours of screen time per day, an hour of activity or exercise or vigorous play, and almost none sugar-sweetened beverages. And this is a, a nice way for staff and parents to easily remember the rules and for have the kids to learn this nice rule to, to live by. So you mentioned the first generation of work where your child care efforts got started some four years ago. What, what is happening more currently? Well, more currently, since we developed that, the state of Delaware, uh, with, some, with a federal grant from the Department of Education, has, uh, with the University of Delaware, has developed an institute for excellence in early childhood based at the University of Delaware, headed by Professor Martha Buell, who's a professor of family studies there. And the institute exists to provide early child care educators all their necessary continuing education credits and their training. Uh, the institute... Uh, under Dr. Buell's direction, working with Nemours has incorporated our nutrition and um, physical activity and health guidelines. And they, after we did a first cohort of a child care learning collaborative, they conducted a second one. So one of the ways that our program has become successful is we've helped take the regulations, embed them in some training, and then our training, which was successful, we've now embedded that in the university's program so that the university, through all of their outlets, can continue to spread the message. 
Do you find that people who run or work in child care settings are receptive to these kind of messages? I find that people that work in child care settings are extraordinarily receptive. Uh, these are some of the most important jobs in the country at some of the lowest wages. Uh, we talk about how important education is and how important the birth to five years are, and then we, we pay people not very much money to do it. Most of the all the providers I meet take great pride in their work, and they really do want to do a better job. And uh, as a result, I think we've had a lot of very enthusiastic, uh, positive response to our efforts. And people feel like they're doing a better job, that the kids they care for are healthier, and the kids that they care for are just doing all around better. And if you do a good job, and, and at the end of the day, what you're doing is going very well, you feel better about yourself. I've heard you talk about um, an, an interesting uh, position that your governor has with respect to child care and the people who work in these settings. Uh, would you explain some of what the governor's attitudes are about this and how that m may have affected what's happening in child care in the state? Yes. Del under Governor Markell, who was elected in 2008, uh, the interest in child care and the support of state government has grown. To, to summarize, both he and um, Senator Carper, who uh, served as governor from 1992 to 2000, have both indicated that they see early care and education as essential for school success and essential for developing a healthy, informed, well-educated workforce. So Governor Markell's background is in telecommunications business, but he really does view child care improvement as essential for Delaware to be successful as a state. And in the past year, uh, spearheaded uh, legislation that added $20 million to the annual uh, state output for early care and education in our Purchase of Care program, uh, part of it to increase the rates that we pay child care provider, but almost 45% of that money to increase the training of child care providers. Uh, Governor Markell considers this an investment um, and a, a true investment to, to help Delaware be competitive. Well, $20 million is a lot for a state the size of Delaware. There are 12,000 babies born per year, so there's approximately 60,000 in the birth to five range. And yes, $20 million is significant. Not only do we have that investment, but leveraging that, uh, working with the state and a number of agencies, both private and public. The state did submit an Early Learning Challenge grant and did get the um, Early Learning Challenge, otherwise known as the Early Childhood Race to the Top grant this year, and that's an additional $50 million spread out over the next four years. So we have an opportunity to do a lot more in child care and advance the efforts. And I've heard you talk <laughs> as well about the um how much this investment makes sense based on the work of a particular economist at the University of Chicago. I think it, it's interesting if you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah, Dr. Jim Heckman is um, a Nobel laureate uh, who has written extensively about investments in early child care and education. Heckman is uh, the individual, you may hear the, the number of $17 uh, that comes back for every dollar invested in early child care the actual numbers range between uh, 3 to 17 for every dollar invested. Uh, over the past five years, he's been 
I think, extraordinarily influential across party lines, convincing legislators and administrators that these are uh, worthy investments, not only because it's the right thing to do, but uh, it's the only sane uh, economic thing to do, that if you don't invest in early childhood, what we've done at Nemours Health and Prevention is to take that overall model that, that uh, Professor Heckman talks about of comprehensive, excellent child care and embed within it to make sure that nutrition and physical activity are part of the experience that all kids have. This is really a, a breakthrough in thinking. It's not that it, the idea has only been around for a short time, but it's a way that the, the nation doesn't generally think about investing in child care. People will think about children as deserving aid, deserving help, deserving education, deserving a safe environment and things like that, but not so much that it's a good, just a good investment in the future of the country or an investment in the workforce in the state or something like that. So that's a, it's a really it's a whole other layer of thinking that you can add into the picture that will capture the attention of another group of people who otherwise not may not focus on something like child care. Right, as as uh, Governor Markell has said in Delaware, kids do not enter kindergarten a blank slate. That that they have had five years of learning, and we do know from our colleagues in child development here here at the Yale Child Study Center and other places the importance of early childhood education toward overall development. And really, if you want to invest money and time and effort, your biggest bang for the buck is the first five years of life, where most parents like me try to save up for the ages 18 to 22 when they're in college. But really, the time we really need to spend the place, the time we need to spend the money is birth to five. So is there a way people can find out more about the work that's going on at Nemours? Yes, you can certainly... uh, Go to our website, www.nemours.org, um, and um, click on, on the links to Nemours Health and Prevention Services. Also, um, if you go to the First Lady's website for the Let's Move campaign, uh, that features links to all of our early childhood uh, materials that any child care center that wants to start doing this work can just dive right in there, pull up the materials start evaluating your own program and and finding ways you can improve. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This work is highly innovative. Um, Some of the most um, amazing developments in this field in the country are happening in Delaware, mainly due to the efforts of you and your colleagues. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for inviting me. Uh, Please visit our website at www.yalerudcenter.org, and you'll find a variety of resources, including lists to other podcasts that we've recorded. Thank you.